You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Absolutely. Hey, we've got a couple of text messages here. First one from Freco. He writes in, If we look after the needy, the rest will take care of itself. No poor means peace. So I think... I think they're ultimately saying it's like if if a person takes on per, like their own responsibility of reaching out to the needy in their community, we wouldn't need a welfare state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know cha- charitable deeds is the responsibility of individual Christians and not necessarily should be foisted onto a government. Mm. Yeah. If we well, this is a huge question. If we if we legislate religion. Um, and you could say, oh, what is that? What, is, what do you mean by legislating religion? Well, the Bible says that true religion is helping the needy and the poor and the widows and, and those ultimately who are vulnerable. If we legislate that and force people to do it, it's not true religion. It's mm. just, it's just a rule. But rather, if we are actively endeavoring to go out and to help those in need, then yeah, there's, there's less and less reason. And then the government taxes us less. And then you know it's just it's just a it's a, it's a perfectly fulfilling cycle. But then we have the ability as the individual to choose where it is that we want to help, you know, or how it is that we want to help. Because there's things that the government do that in the name of helping people that I don't think is helping people. So yeah, it's 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 awesome to have that personal autonomy. Absolutely. Uh, we have another text message here from Braden. He says, in regards to personality traits, I definitely fit more of a stereotypical woman's traits than a stereotypical male traits um such as very interconnected uh such as the very interconnected nature of my thoughts mm-hmm. i think it's definitely yeah. like a scale that i don't think is either like male or female but it's like a scale of um that's a spectrum it's it's absolutely it's a spectrum of, of just how our brains work and it's yeah. like oh we seem to find more traits in females more than males that you couldn't necessarily me say that oh so then that is a female thing by There's the way not a spectrum I'm, of genders by the way that i i'm about to qualify <laughs> what i'm saying by saying that i definitely believe in binary gender okay I, I am a, well we believe the bible ex- ex- we female, are bible believers yeah. uh, so so don't get me wrong in what i'm saying but there are just traits on how our brain works that um tend to pop up in different people groups more that tend to pop up in different you know even yeah as a scale as it goes along um in in terms of of in terms of gender but uh but yeah no that's that's interesting uh, well it's it's also so much about how you're how you grow up in, in your environment as well and that's i think that was one of the big points that jennifer skews was making is that it affects it so much who who you were relating to i just know for myself so i am a male i'm a man uh but i grew up with three sisters so i just find it quite easy i have Plenty of friends who are guys. I have plenty, plenty of male friends, but I find it quite easy to befriend females as well compared to some of the friends that I have that are quite can can struggle with that. Um, I think it's something that comes over time as well. I think when you're younger, you know, just connecting with people of the opposite sex can be can be difficult. But I feel like I had a kind of an advantage in that area because yeah, I grew up with sisters, and I was like, okay, this is how. Girls work and how they advocating talk. Advocating singles ministries, just the, you know, love and connecting to to girls. I love it. Uh, well, I don't <laughs> being friends with women. I find singles it so ministries. easy to connect with girls. Yeah, um, 
Okay, thank you. Is this like, are you trying to say that I'm promoting myself or? Look, no, no. Because, because we, we, we are, we, it has been a running joke on the show, especially, uh, when, when Blake and Lau are in here to the point where people were writing in saying, stop making fun of Lawson that, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, like literally we'd do a Bible study and we'd make some appeal and then Blake would be like, and, uh, yeah, if you have anyone for Lawson, you know, if you, if there's a lovely lady out there, then, uh, yeah. <laughs> just full on promotion. It's it's crazy. But um hey, oh last one here. The welfare system is heavily abused, unfortunately. And that's what we find. Another thing about the budget is that the area of the NDIS has been completely unaffected by this budget. So mm-hmm. the but it hasn't increased it, it hasn't decreased it. It's like, yep, yeah, we think that the NDIS is running at a good rate. Mm-hmm. Um and the NDIS I think is a you know, a scheme to to help like disabled people is mm-hmm. is fantastic uh, but simultaneously it did become a hotbed of fraud and became actually was heavily attacked that was that was saying that i think it was like almost hundreds of millions of dollars were being siphoned into organized crime out of the ndis through again this wasn't the government like it wasn't necessarily an inside job of the government but just you know people on the outside claiming welfare and then funneling it into criminal activity so it's a it's a really really interesting space and that's what Braden is saying here oh yeah as well. and, and that comment there about about being misused i mean i think many of us could think of direct examples even of our own um you know immediate spheres of influence of of um the ways that the funds have been accessed especially some of the student funds that, uh, uh, yeah students um covid payments as well yeah. uh, but hey <laughs> we're not we're not going to point any fingers here in in uh, the studio over the breakfast show i know that look i'm a student and i'm appreciative that i get supported during my study of course i'm working here at faith fm but then you know i get some of my uh, some of my my income supplemented by the government because I'm studying a degree. And that's, that's, that's a good thing that I, I, I'm, I'm like, yep, let's support students to be able While to get While the system's degrees. there, you might as well use what the system is. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I don't necessarily have as a hill to honestly, die on. you know? Yeah. This is where some of the challenges come with um, dishonest reporting and, you know, this is where the fraudulent stuff comes from. And it, it is open to quite a bit of that. Oh, man. I When you said immediate spheres of influence, like often here on The Breakfast Show when we're on radio, I was like, oh, yeah, I have a story that relates to that. But then I'm like, I don't want to out Better people. Better not say. I don't want to. I don't want to out people <laughs> that I know. Uh, you're listening to the Breakfast Show, and uh, we're going to get into our Bible study now. And we are going to be considering, as we've been considering all this week, we've been thinking about worshiping God as Creator. And now we come to our lesson today, titled "A God Who Is Close." Now, this is in regards to creation, because I, I want to show you something really cool, Blair, and I, something really cool that I learned about in my studies, actually, uh, from one of my lecturers, shout out, um, Emmanuel Millen, uh, who is my teacher for my Torah class. Now, if we go to the first book of the Bible, we go to Genesis, and we're going to go to chapter one. Uh, do you want to read chapter one and verse one for us? Absolutely. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Mm, Okay, so we have this in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we have this word God here, and obviously Genesis is translated, uh, almost the entirety of the Old Testament is translated from Hebrew to English, and we're reading, uh, I'm reading in the New King James Version. Are you in the New King James as well? Indeed. So we're reading the New King James Version. That word God, do you know what it is translated from in Hebrew? Elohim. 
El, yeah, exactly. Elohim. Um, and we have a number of this where it says, you know, verse 9, then God said, let us make waters. Uh, we make our way through. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Then God did this and God did that. And it's translating from the word Elohim. Now, there's lots of different aspects to the word Elohim. I think one that a lot of people point out is the fact that it's a plural word and that adds to our understanding of Trinitarianism or you know that there is God three in one, the Godhead as we believe it to be. Simultaneously, uh, we see that this word Elohim is not found solely in the Bible in its original context in the Near East. The word El was commonly used for things of a godly or a transcendent nature throughout the Near East, in not only Hebrew, but in many other languages. It was if it was referring to God, it was El this, El that. In in you know whether you're in uh, whether you're in Israel, whether you're in Egypt, whether you're in Elam, whether you're in like all of these different areas, they use this word El, and it was always to refer to this type of God that is transcendent, that is above all things, that is everywhere all the time, and it very much informs our conception of God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. So it's this God who is above, and, and it's pretty clear. Like, you go through the narrative of creation, what is he making? You know, the stars, the moon, the sun. Uh, the stars, the moon, the sun, light, the planet, animals. Like, we're looking at a God who has power over all nature. And that's exactly how Paul would describe him later in Acts 17. It's like a God who, you know does everything, has created the boundaries of dwelling and and all of these things. We see a God who is ordering the natural plane, which he lives outside of and above. He is El. He is Elohim, the transcendent God. But then we come to chapter 2. And do you want to read chapter 2, verses 4 through 7 for us? So Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Absolutely. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Amazing. Okay, how does it refer to God in chapter 2? What word does it use to refer to him? Is it is it just Elohim? Not sure. Well, we, we were just reading, right? So it says, uh, starting in verse... What verse are you looking at? So so we'd be, the passage that we've just been reading... Um, when we oh, pe- the Lord God. Yeah, it refers to him as the Lord. Yep. Do you know... Of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume, Blair, being that you're mm. a very smart guy. Um, what is the word Lord, Lord derived from? Where do we get that word from? Yeah, from... Uh, from Mar- well, there's the, the, the Lord in the Old Testament. Well, are you talking about Lord... Like right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, writing in the Hebrew. Yeah. So tell me. <laughs> okay, so, I've, got, I've got Lord I've got Lord in the old, uh, New Testament as Jesus. Yeah, right, sure. Yeah. But yeah. it linguistically, when it's translating, so we saw that that God word that's in yeah. chapter one is translated from Elohim, the transcendent God. But we see that this Lord in chapter two is translated from 
just four consonants. Y H W H. Yes, Yahweh. Oh, what we call Yahweh. We filled it in with some some yep. uh, some nouns. Sorry, not some nouns. Some um, vowels. But we see that the word originally in Hebrew is You've just Y H W H. It's almost unpronounceable. Yeah. Absolutely, and in, in so in your Old Testament context, if you see the capital L O R D, that's the Yahweh. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So we see this difference in the first chapter. We see Lord. In the second chapter, we see Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is the very individual and specific name of the God of the Bible. Absolutely. While the gods of all the other, you know areas and nations and different religions and pagan religions, they all could be referred to in as L or in the sense of L, Lord or, or Yahweh was singularly applied, is is only present within Scripture because it's the God of the Bible who it's referring to. So we see here in the first chapter this transcendent, amazing God who creates everything. But now as he starts to interact with his creation, and that's exactly what we're seeing here. We're seeing how he forms them out of the dust. He now has a, a his own personal name attached to him. Yahweh, this 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 God who is identifiable against every other God within the Near East, and we see this run you know right throughout the Bible, his identify identification as Yahweh, and how he says you know I am the Lord God, I am Yahweh, I am like no other, I am not like any other El, I am I am not only but I'm not only Elohim, I am Yahweh. This Mm. is who I am. And so what we see here is that God isn't wanting to stay transcendent, maybe in a, in a deist sense. You have the belief of deism, which is that God created and ordered the world, but then he just left and we're, you know, on in our own devices, but rather he is personal. He's identifying himself to his creation and endeavoring to be close to them. Yeah, I love that because, you know, that's that, and that really parallels chapter one and two, you know, the transcendence of God in chapter one with the use of the name Lord Elohim. And chapter two, when God gets down in the dirt mm. with man and breathes into his nostrils, you've got that imminence of God. Mm. And I think this is just a classic example of another paradox in scripture where you have these, uh, you know, apparently contrasting elements of mm. God. And you find them put together here in, uh, you know, that these otherwise contrasting things come together in the person of God. Mm. And I think that's amazing. You Absolutely. know, the, the imminence and the transcendence of God. God is not only our best friend, close, uh, imminent, uh, but he's also above and beyond us. Mm. And each of those aspects of God really do emphasize um you know, a different approach that we can have to God. You know, we can come to God as our best friend, as our brother, um, as our father, come to Jesus, our brother, God as our father. Um, but also we come to him as our master, as our, you know, mm. creator. And, and all of these different aspects highlight something different. And, I mean, you've just looked at two names of, of God in Scripture, but, man. There are many, <laughs> many names. Right, we got so many that are out there. And, um, yeah, it's just every single one of them highlights a unique facet of God's character. It's like looking at a diamond with many different facets of the diamond and each way you look at it shines a new light out of about you know from the diamond and this is what what God's character is like as well. Yeah, it's interesting listening to, you know, different uh, theolo- theologians and whatnot on this passage because the cons the contrast is so stark between chapter one and chapter two that many theologians were led to believe 
that these two chapters are actually written by two different authors. Because essentially you have chapter one, which is the whole history of creation. And then you have chapter two, which is kind of a more interactive, like it, it goes over the last couple of days of creation and, and gives us a, a better view as to what God is is actually doing. And people were thinking like, oh, this is, this is two different writers who are writing this. But as you were saying, it's like a diamond with different edges, right? Essentially we're seeing every side of God because God occupies those different positions. We know uh, that people... You know, if I can see such complexity in the people around me, in you, Blair, or Magantha, or my parents, or my siblings, or any of my friends, I can see, oh, wow, they're complex people. There's, there's many sides to them. Yet we see a God where everything came from. He would be, by nature, in a sense, not simple, but have, you know, it's complexity about him. And, and that's exactly what this is trying to communicate. But specifically here, it is that closeness. And I love how you mentioned, you know, God is then known by many names throughout the Bible, whether it's Adonai, he's the, he's the I am, whether it's Emmanuel, he is, he is with us, whether, you know, he's... Or is again, uh, emphasizing the imminence of God, Emmanuel, mm. um, being with us. Mm. <laughs> you can't get more imminent than that, can That's you? right. Or, you know, the name that he took on coming to this earth, Jesus, he, which, which is a, a common name that people had in the region at that time. Jesus, I, I love that Jesus took on a name that so many people had. Like he, he, he was identifying with the people. And I think the story of scripture that we see from the very first time that that word Lord is used is that, like, I'm sure that pretty much all pagan religion or whatever it may be has some kind of creation account of how the world came into being. But then you see this difference with God where his creation isn't at a need to appease him in order to connect with him. He's not angry with his creation. He's not um, subjecting his creation to slaves of himself, but rather he just has an endeavor to connect with his creation. Hey, let's see this play out in some verses that we have here. Do you want to go to Colossians chapter 1? And verse 17. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, if you can read that for us, Claire. And he's before all things, and in him all things consist. Mm, I love that. So it's like, okay, why is God so close to his creation? Because his creation are not outside of himself. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. Exists. Now, I'm not talking about pantheism. I'm not saying that God is in the styrofoam block, you know, blocks that line our walls here in the studio to give us soundproofing. I'm not saying that, that God is, is a plant. I'm not saying that God is a leaf, but rather I'm saying that because he has created all things and he is sustaining all things, then he would have to be with all things and and striving with all things and being before all things if all things come from him. So that naturally, if that's who God is as the creator, then he's naturally close to us. And it's cool, though, because not only is he naturally close to us, he wants to be close to us. Again, if God knew that, okay, I have to create, and that means that I have to be close to all my creation, and yet he didn't want to be, then he wouldn't create. Because as we saw yesterday, God creates things because he wants to. He doesn't create out of necessity, but rather out of his pleasure. But we see here that God, he wants to be close, and that's why he creates. Hey, we're going to continue talking about... You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
38. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're going to wrap up our Bible study here. We've been talking about a God who is close to us. Let's now read. Do you want to go to, for us, Blair, Psalm 139, verse 15 to 18? Psalm 139, verse 15 to verse 18 for us. Absolutely. Psalm 139, verses 15 through 18. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, and they would be in number more than the sand, when I awake, I am still with you. That is incredible. I uh, this is it's it's emotional almost just knowing that uh, God is one who is there from the very beginning. He is the one who you know, creates our frame, who who skillfully. I love this. I was made in sil- secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Uh, it it is. I, I love this. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. So we can see here just this value that God has on His creation, the work. That he does in in creating, and this is very much you know the the image you get here is not the image of a deist type God mm. that is disconnected from the world and creation and just sets things in motion and then sits back. This is a God that intimately involves himself, knows the thoughts, knows uh, you know, knows the frame, sees the future. This puts value on every single individual. Mm. I love I love that. It's like the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none. And then this point right here, this is a memory verse for many people, very famous verse of the Bible. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. I, I-, I love that because my question to many people is, is like, do you ever consider how good God thinks of you? Like how much God loves you how precious are your thoughts to what we read also in the psalms that they are innumerable in fact it says right here in the next verse it says if i should count them they should be more than the number the number than the sand when i wake up i'm still with you god the not only the the thoughts how good they are but the volume of those thoughts are just incredible i was talking with one of my friends over the weekend and this person is a young person working in ministry, in in volunteer ministry, they've decided to give up uh, a lot of their life or future, whatever it may be. They're like, hey, I want to go forth and be used by Jesus to reach people. But just chatting with them, you know, here, they're they're struggling a little bit. Uh, They're a bit discouraged. There are certain things where they're like, oh, man, I, I just don't know if I'm doing a good job and whatever it may be. And I was just chatting with them, and I'm like, hey, did you know that God is actually really proud of you for the decision that you've made? Uh, do you know that that Jesus is actually happy that you're going in this direction? Hey, he can see that you're struggling and making some mistakes, and you have been given ample opportunity to talk to Jesus, to come to him in time of need. But do you know that God is proud of you? 
like like a proud parent, like a like a proud father. God is proud of you for making decisions to give your life to Him and to be used by Him. And this person started tearing up. Without, it was it was kind of cute. They're like, "Oh, really? Like like God thinks of me that way?" It's like, "Yeah, like He really, really does." God is proud of you, and. I think that there are many things that we do that pushes God away. But again, if we look at our parents and I can think of, man, just how many awful and terrible things that I've done to my parents and how bad of a son I've been at various times throughout my life. Yet my parents still have such a supreme love for me. And then I think of God as like cold and distant and, oh, I'll make a mistake. And he just hates me now. No, God is in deep and desperate love with you. The only thing that keeps us away from his love is ourselves, is our own decision to choose to not be with him. And so, guys, God loves you. He cares for you. And he's wanting to have this connection, this closeness with you. And in fact, so much so, he is the one ordering your days. Mm. He's the one fashioning them for you before you were even thought of. I just I just love that so much. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Blair? I love that text. It speaks to, to me of the value that God places um, in each and every single one of us mm-hmm. and how involved he is in each person's life. Uh, we can never be tempted to think that God doesn't care for the things that we face each day. Mm. We can never be tempted to think that he's disconnected or distant. He's right there with us. And, um, yeah, I think of a text in, in Acts chapter 17, oh, verse 27, yeah. uh, which, again, emphasizes the nearness of God. Um, and it says, uh, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Mm. I love that text because it talks, it's speaking there about um, those who are reaching out for God. Mm. And, um, you know, it says they might reach out for him uh, and like grope as if they're trying to find him in the dark. But but then the the, the, the text says, just remember, though, he is not far from any single one of us. He's mm. right there. He's right there when we reach out to grab him. And I think that's a wonderful thought because it emphasizes, again, the nearness of God to each person, mm. how closely he associates himself with our sufferings. And we can see that ultimately in the person of Jesus who um, was tempted in all points as we are and yet without sin. Uh, he can relate to us 100% as a savior and as our example and this really provides for us, um, it emphasizes to us how closely God associates with us. And I think that's just such a powerful source of hope for each believer. Yeah, that's incredible. And of course, not just as you know, a, an earthly friend, which friends have done so much for me. I've been so blessed by my church family, not just as an earthly parent, which again, parents have done so much for me and I've been so blessed by them, but as the creator and the ruler of the entire universe, the one who puts everything in order is the one who we can reach out to and who is not far from us. You know, he is not, uh, he is not an unknowable force, but rather he is a very real and knowable person. And I guess the question is for us, well, how do I know him? How can I feel his closeness? Hey, Spend time in the revelation of himself. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. And I guarantee you, as for myself, and I'm sure as for you, Blair and Megantha here in the studio producing for us, and many of the people that I see working in this office in the North New South Wales Conference, people endeavoring to share God with others, we know because we've experienced how God, close God can be 
to us and the work that he has done in our lives. Guys, that's been our Bible study today. Thank you so much for listening. And hey, if you have any other questions, give us a call, 0491-064-669. Call us, text us, let us know how you're doing, what you're thinking. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. Free right now. We're going to continue on with the day, but you've been listening to Faith FM. God be with you.